What a strange idea of freedom. This freedom that mankind has been seeking for itself since the beginning. And what a strange way of going about obtaining it. There's always sort of a broken stillness that permeates our consciousness on Good Friday. Because we did it. The deed is done. And we got what we wanted. Autonomy, right? I won't call it freedom, even though that's what we were looking for. I don't think that true freedom includes within its list of permitted activities the murder of God. Autonomy, though, gives us sort of an exhilarating feeling of freedom. I mean, now that God's out of the way, I can do, well, what? Whatever I want. The same thing that drives rebellion in our lives anytime we, we encounter it. Once my parents are out of the way, once whoever is out of the way. That's why that fourth commandment is the first of the last seven that deal with love of neighbor. But again, this autonomy has been sought from the beginning. It's what drove Adam and Eve to disobey God in the garden. But today we get to ask ourselves a question. When we stop and look at the world and what it has become, especially in this last century, as more and more people have thrown off the gentle yoke of our Lord, we get to ask that question, was it worth it? Was the sin worth it? Is the world a better place because we stopped following Jesus? Psalm 2, beautiful psalm says it like this. The psalmist says, Why do the nations conspire and why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth plot together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let us burst their bonds asunder. Let us cast off their yoke. Sounds like Good Friday. Sounds like the modern world. And yet today as we gaze upon the empty tabernacle, as we experience... Not the presence, but rather the lack of presence. I want to bring our attention to the attitude of God in the midst of the extreme torture to which we subjected him. I mean, if you could look into his eyes as he was being scourged or as he struggled to breathe hanging there naked on the cross, what would you see? Certainly agony. But through the agony, we would see compassion. We would see one who holds absolutely nothing against us, even though it was your sin and mine that caused his pain, his oh-so-torturous pain. And I think we would see more than that. We would see one who does not turn away from us, even at this, the most agonizing moment of his life. We would see one who holds out to us not just escape from the sufferings of hell, but on top of it, he would give us eternal joy. Maybe we could say it like this. We would see one who holds out to us not just escape, again, from the damaging effects of the autonomy that we have grasped for, but rather we would see one who offers us the actual freedom our hearts desire. 
St. John says it like this. He says, his commandments are not burdensome. And he says himself, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, no one can escape all the suffering of life. So we might as well make it worthwhile. And so if grasping for autonomy has only served to increase our suffering, and on a pretty huge scale, maybe instead of that, maybe we can use the bit of suffering which is necessary in this life to do some real good. And isn't that the model for us of Christ on the cross? In the words of St. John Chrysostom, the soldier pierced the Lord's side, He breached the wall of the sacred temple, and I have found the treasure and made it my own. The sacred temple, the body of the Lord, pierced with the lance to give me access to no other treasure but the very heart of God himself. Isn't that what we were getting at when we rebelled against him? Were we trying to pierce the very heart of God to reject his fatherhood over us? We wanted for ourselves the, the freedom that we saw in God, the freedom which we, well, we mistook for autonomy. And isn't, isn't it amazing that he let us rebel? Because it was going to be the way by which he offered us everything our hearts desire. Here at the cross, he let us see the effects of our rebellion. And it wasn't what we expected. It wasn't our own death that we saw, but rather the death of God. And instead of the wrath of God, we saw a tortured heart full of mercy and love empty itself out upon us and for us. So today, let us not reject this extravagant offering of God Most High, this richest of all foods and sweetest of all drinks. Let us value beyond all earthly goods the baptism that we received when water from the heart of Christ flowed over our heads. Let us bow down and genuflect and even prostrate ourselves in adoration when we humbly receive the Holy Eucharist, the body which hung for us on the cross and the blood which gushed forth for us when his heart was pierced. For those who prefer rebellion... Psalm 2, which I quoted earlier, continues. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord is laughing them to scorn. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. I have set my king on Zion, my holy mountain. You see, their rebellion is of no consequence to him. They'll be destroyed in the end by the king who has already definitively conquered And Psalm 2 continues, I will announce the decree of the Lord. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. The thing hanging in the balance in all of this drama, we can call it, the thing hanging in the balance is my very self. Because Christ did not grasp at his divinity, but rather emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. By the way, that's one who is not free. He opened the door for me to become no longer a slave, but rather a son, and a son of God at that. A slave lives in fear. He acts for himself, for whatever is in his own interests. He obeys with bitterness, angry because he's being forced against his own will. 
His fear isn't so much the punishment that comes from disobedience, but rather not getting what he wants. That's why he's a slave. He's attached to something other than God, namely himself. And his reward will be in proportion to his generosity or his lack thereof. A son, in contrast, has shared his heart with his father. He's conscious of his own desires and he freely acknowledges them before his father. And yet he trusts his father. And he knows that his father directs him in such a way that he can achieve the lasting happiness he seeks, even if that means not fulfilling some immediate, immediate desire. And the son also loves his father because he's aware that his father has loved him first. And that's why he is free and not attached because he's willing to forget his desires out of love for his father. And so his reward, too, will be in proportion to his generosity. Christ is the clutch by which we move from being slaves to being sons. His passion and death, which we celebrate today, it's the result of our autonomy. But it's true that we do indeed celebrate today. Not because we celebrate sin, that would be absurd, but because we celebrate the greatest act of selfless love ever to have been performed. An act which, rather than ignoring sin or pretending that it doesn't really matter, actually deals with a sin, with sin in a manner worthy of the dignity with which God made us. It's an act which the actor, our Lord Jesus himself, could not have been forced to do because it's the act by which we were and are made truly free.